When it comes to traveling, whether we are vacationing, we're temporarily staying in a country, or we're making a complete move abroad, we got to remember that there's no perfect country and there's no perfect utopia here on earth. But some countries are definitely worth making the trip or even a complete move to. You might want to check out this episode to get some tips and resources to help you on your next jet setting journey. But what do I know? Okay, so Portugal. So black woman to black woman, like, are we out there in numbers? Oh, yes, <laughs> we okay. are in numbers. Uh, one of the things that also was surprising to me, and, and I'm torn between Lisbon and Nazare in terms of where I want to plant myself the first year or so. This is But What Do I Know podcast with Chit Suzanne, a space for affirming, for learning, and for healing. A podcast and community where we're exploring our But What Do I Know moments in hopes that it helps you, the listener, overcome yours. You ready? Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the But What Do I Know podcast. I'm your host, Chid Suzanne. And as usual, I just want to welcome you all to yet another episode. This is season three, episode nine. This is our final episode before we take a mid-season break because it's summer. And guess what? Like y'all, I also want to be outside. So <laughs> this is season three, episode nine. We're going to take a summer break for August. Um, and then we're going to come back beginning of September and then finish the year off strong. But before we go any further, of course, if this is your first time, you know, stumbling upon this podcast, thank you for being here. Thank you for checking us out. I hope you enjoy this episode and, you know, make sure that you are liking and engaging with us on socials at BWDIK podcast and that you are subscribed with notifications turned on on whatever your favorite streaming platform may be, whether that is Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, whatever it may be that you're checking us out on, make sure that you're subscribed. It just helps us with the visibility and continued growth of our podcast and community here. So thank you. Thank you for doing that. All right. With that being said, it's July, baby. It's summer. Summer is in full swing. The festivals are happening. The weddings are happening. We're outside. Day parties concerts. I'm excited for Kendrick Lamar's concert. I'm so stoked. That's going to be lit. I'm so excited. Manifesto's coming up. We just had Afro Fest this last weekend. So I hope y'all are partaking and enjoying because the streets are saying that different variants are coming. We don't know. So enjoy it while it lasts. That's all I'll say. Enjoy it while it lasts. All right, let's go ahead and get into our clue and segment for this episode. All right, so for our clue and segment for this episode, we're going to focus on music. But before we get to music, we got two things we need to get out of the way. First is a housekeeping item. So 
If you're listening to this podcast episode and you've been listening, you've been rocking with us, I just want to say thank you. Thank you. It is, you know, so, so, so appreciated. You know, a lot of people have reached out to me through the, the beginning of this podcast and have said, you know, this episode has helped me. This has brought me joy. This has helped me get through a situation. And, yo, that shit warms my heart. Like, it just be warming my heart. And I'm excited to just, you know keep building community with you all so with that being said if you're listening to this and you are an avid listener of this podcast please reach out to me i'm gonna figure a way to sort of put out a survey on socials or something i want to find better ways to connect with you all i feel like i'm not really talking to you all even though i talk through the mic i feel like i'm not hearing back from you all you know instagram used to be fun last year in 2020 we used to i used to hear from you all i used to, we used to message we used to repost and it was really lit but now like algorithms done change like 10,000 times reaches down and I feel like I'm not getting to as many of y'all anymore and I feel like some of y'all aren't even seeing the content on socials anymore so if you're listening to this you're subscribed you really enjoy what we're doing here I'm gonna you know probably be reaching out to you already on dms if we've already been talking if I don't please reach out to me as well and I just want to hear from you all you know what what sort of platform can we use to directly talk with each other is it facebook is it discord just, you know, I want to start, I want to just sort of figure a better way to talk directly with you all. So if you have any ideas, let me know, reach out to me. I don't buy it. I want it here. And, um, and yeah, and then we'll take it from there. I'm going to be doing some experimenting and some thinking over the summer break. So um, yeah, let me know what y'all think. All right. So before we get into music, we're going to touch on the economy just a little bit. <laughs> and I'm not an economist, but this is something that I've had on my radar. I know you know, between myself, my friend groups, my family, we've been talking about this. A lot of people have been, you know, predicting recession, recessions coming, you know, all that talk. And um, it seems like it's official. So, you know, this is an article that I'm going to be quoting by the Globe and Mail. And it's a prediction that's coming to us by RBC, which is the Royal Bank of Canada. So they are predicting that in 2023, Canada will be slipping into what they're calling a moderate and short lived recession. So, I mean, when I hear that, I hear recession, which is bad, but I also hear moderate and short lived. So that's the positive side to this, I guess. And so whenever you hear words of recession, I know sometimes it can sort of invoke anxiety. I know between me and my friends have been starting to think about things like our jobs. Are we safe? Are we are we OK? Um, you know, certain fintech companies have been seeing some firing taking place. So what I will say is I'm not an economist. But I would say start to think about things that can safeguard you. So if you don't have, you know, um, a savings, I would say maybe start to build a savings for the rest of 2022. I would say if you're looking for nine to five, maybe get a little bit more aggressive in your searching so that you have a full time job before this recession hits. I'm going to directly quote the article. It says the recession won't be as severe as previous downturns. So that's good. But it will see consumer spending slow down, which typically happens because people are scared to spend money um, because they don't know if we're going to if they're going to get it back. And some people also don't have money to spend um, the amount of disposable income people have may typically be reduced. So, yeah, so it says, but we'll see consumer spending slow down as households adjust to the strongest price growth in decades. Damn. Higher costs of borrowing and the loss of wealth stemming from a slowdown in the housing market, the bank reports. Whew. Um, so it's also forecasted that our economic output would drop. And then I was also reading, yes, it says the downturn will also lead to job loss, sending the national unemployment rate, which is now at a record low of 5.1 to around 6.6%. So the idea of, you know, this leading to job loss is a scary part. But like I said, 
Let's be forward thinkers here, y'all. You know, if you have certain things you can put to safeguard yourself as this comes, please do it. Build your savings. You know, if you have some debt, some easy debt that you can pay off, you can do that. Build your savings. If you're looking for a job, I would get a little bit more aggressive with my job hunting right now so that I know that I have a nine to five to rely on. Um, if you were if you're side if you're only banking on entrepreneurship and it's looking a little shaky, I would be trying to add another source of income to that just in case. But that's just me. But um, I just thought I would share that with you all because I know we've been hearing rumblings of the economy, recession, so on. And, you know, I know we're trying to be as prepared as we can be. So, yeah, that seems like it's official. We're going to be going into a moderate and short-lived recession here in Canada come 2023. You know, we pray and we hope for positive things, but um, it's important to be ready. So, so yeah, that's, that's some news as it pertains to the economy here in Canada. All right. Now for music, let's get into some fun things. You know, I know I wanted to spend most of the time talking about music and a housekeeping item and the economy don't talk about half of our coin segment. So let's get into music. In our last episode, I had said, you know, I wanted to divide our conversation to two. I talked about some and I was going to talk about some on this episode. And would you believe more music dropped, more albums dropped, more singles dropped. And now I'm even I have even more to talk about. <laughs> so um, for our clue and segment for this episode, I want to I want you all to clue into two albums that just dropped. Uh, Burna Boy's Love Domini and Brent Fire's Wasteland. So I am going to, you know, just give a disclaimer. These albums are fresh. They just dropped. Um, last week, Friday. And so I have listened to both of them at least once. What I will say is Love Domini is something slightly different from Burna Boy. I feel like when I when I listen to Burna Boy, he evokes like a very rah-rah sort of emotion in me. I'm turning up, I'm dancing. I'm, I guess, you know, some, sometimes his music is also very political and, and so on. But this one was a little bit more vulnerable. I feel like he experimented with sounds a little bit. There were some songs that I was like, wait, is Burna Boy like vocalizing and singing on here? Like, okay, all right. And so I don't know how I feel about this album just yet. To be continued in our next episode. I'll, I'll listen to this, mull this over, and I'll let you know how I really feel about this. What I will say is right now I am loving Cloak and Dagger featuring Jay Huss and Tony Ann Singh featuring Popcon. Those are like up there for me right now. I found myself going back to those. So, you know, check it out. Let me know what y'all think of the album. If you're a Burna Boy fan, if this is what you expected. He's also, you know, going to be here in Toronto August 6th playing. So, you know, maybe check out the album before you go to the concert if you have tickets already. Um, Our toxic R&B king, Brent Fires, you know, he strikes again. Brent, Brent, Brent. Brent, you like to sing from your nose. It's very nasally. Like, it's very, very, very nasally. I have a thin, I don't really like R&B singers that sing from their nose. It, it's a little off-putting for me. But what I will say is I like the little, I like the way that Brent plays around with jazz instruments. There's a little bit of the saxophone in there for me. I like the music. Um, The skits were, the skits were lit. That last skit where, I don't want to spoil it, you have to listen to the last skit. Wow, Brent. The last skit was called, um, it's called Wake Up Call. And it's sort of the whole idea is that, you know, it's himself and of course a woman that he's with. And that after that skit, he sort of gets this wake up call to, I guess, act right. The skits did it for me on this album. Right now, I find myself going back to Loose Change and All Mine. But again, similar to Love, Damini, I have to sort of mull this one over to see how I feel about it. I'm going to keep listening and I'll let you all know. But I think they're worth listening to. These definitely make the rotation. I just don't know what my rating is or how I completely feel about these projects. But I'm definitely vibing to them. 
they're definitely the mood for the summer. So um, yeah, y'all check it out. Burna Boy's Love Domini album and Brent Fires's Wasteland. All right. So that's all I have for y'all to clue into this episode. We're going to get into our main segment. This is our last main segment for a little bit before we come back in September. So I wanted to, you know, leave us on a little bit of a lighthearted note. We've talked about, you know, everything from career. We talked about boundaries this season so far. We've talked a lot about getting ourselves in order in terms of business, entrepreneurship. Then we're setting boundaries in our different relationships, um, navigating the job market and, you know, learn how to be able to negotiate our salaries. And so we're here now. Now it's summer, you know, we're able to move around more. So I wanted to talk about travel. So my guest isn't our usual travel blogger, travel expert, but this was a really good conversation. It was fun. There are travel tips in there. So if you plan on jet setting and catching flights, not feelings all 2022, let's get into this because this is for you. So for our main segment on this episode, I am so, so, so excited for this conversation. It's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a lighthearted one. We are talking travel, travel abroad, building communities abroad. And so everyone, I have Krishan Wright with me to have this conversation. Krishan is an award-winning digital marketer. She is also the founder of Blacksit Global, which is a platform dedicated to empowering and inspiring members of the African diaspora to pursue a life for themselves abroad. Krishan is also the host and producer of the Blacksit Global podcast, which is, of course, an upstream of the broader Blacksit Global platform and brand. So since its launch, Blacksit Global has been featured in numerous media outlets, including New York Times, Huffington Post, Travel Noir, In Style Magazine, The Miami Times, PBS, the Houston Chronicle, and the Washington Post. And now we can also add the Boadueno podcast to that list. <laughs> so thank you so much, Krishan, for being on the podcast. I'm so, so, so happy to have you on. <laughs> oh, thank you for having me here, Chid. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Like I've been, you know, sort of tracking your podcast, listening. I know we were sort of going to be former like network colleagues and that didn't pan out, but it's just been so great to sort of see how your platform has grown. So I guess we will get into it. You know, can you just share with the listeners your journey, you know, where you started from? You're not really the traditional travel blogger, or travel expert. You have a specific niche. So, you know, talk to us about how you you found your way into this niche and what that journey was like. Yeah, I, it's funny because even though professionally I'm a digital marketer, I never saw myself as becoming an influencer. So I feel like I'm an accidental <laughs> influencer of sorts. Um, I started my travel journey in 2017. I traveled for the first time solo to New Zealand. Now I had been out of the country previously when I was younger to, I think Canada was the very first country, maybe uh, in my early twenties. But I had this longing ever since I was a little girl growing up in the Bronx that I wanted to live in New Zealand. That was going to be my life plan. When I turned 26, I was going to be a corporate lawyer living in New Zealand. And, you know, life happens. When I was 26, I was actually graduating with my master's and pregnant with my son. 
And so, you know, New Zealand just kind of fell into the recesses of my mind. Fast forward to 2017. By that time, I had had two children. I was divorced. And, you know, kind of in the back of my mind, feeling like, oh, I I know I want to travel. But I was always waiting for that, you know, boo to come, knight in shining armor, whisk me away. And I remember walking on the beach one summer and thinking like, wait a minute, I can be my own hero in this story. Like I can give myself the thing that I had always wanted. So I traveled to New Zealand. I spent 19 days or so there. And then I was hooked. (laughs) So I started traveling to different countries. In 2019, I kind of stretched myself a little further and started to do group travel so that I could get a little bit outside of my comfort zone, a little bit more outside of my shell and meet other people. And then, of course, big plans for 2020. I was going to go to Bali. I was going going to go to the continent. And the pandemic happened. And I found myself just falling into this space with everything that was going on, this dark space. And I knew as the breadwinner for my family that there was no way that I could allow myself to go there. I had to not give in to the negative feelings because I was getting depressed and anxious and knowing that my black sit was going to be in 2023 when my daughter graduates high school. Those three years felt like 30. So I decided to kind of channel that and redirect it into what I was spending the most time on, which was planning my move abroad. Mm. Okay. And now, so your black sit, which we're going to get into more, is planned right now for 2023, you said, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. So here on the Boaduano podcast, you know, we explore moments of doubt. We explore moments where We may have had, you know, we may have thought to ourselves, but what do I know about any particular aspect of life, you know? And so for yourself, I'm wondering if you ever had any moments where you thought to yourself, what do I know about traveling to this particular area? Or, you know, I'm not the traditional travel influencer, travel blogger. Am I able to even build a travel, like a community like you have now? And, you know, how did you get over those moments? Great question. Uh, doubt happens every day. Every day we're on this planet as human beings, we're constantly growing and evolving. Every Mm. day we're confronted with something new, whether we're cognizant of it or not. And so I knew that I am not the traditional, typical travel influencer, right? I'm in my late 40s. I, but I'm also a digital marketer. So I said, well, I know digital marketing. I know how to build brands. I built, you know, global multi-million dollar brands. And so that part I knew how to position. But when it came to like, you know, creating the space and the community, I kind of think that everything happens for a reason. You know, my master's is in social work. So building community comes naturally to me being able to kind of draw on my own experiences, learn from other people's experience, that endless and boundless curiosity. But when it comes to going to different countries, different environments, I think that also comes into play. I tend to travel 
not as a tourist, while I will do touristy things at times, I like to live with the locals. So when I went to New Zealand for the first time, I didn't anticipate, well, one, I didn't stay in a hotel. I knew I wanted to do Airbnb. I knew I wanted to connect with the Maori people. So some of my Airbnbs, when I was um, in Rotorua, I stayed with a Maori family. I did a few things with um, being in someone's home before I felt comfortable enough to venture into like my own Airbnb because that was like my very first experience abroad, my very first experience abroad in another country by myself, um, making sure I felt safe. And so there's definitely some common sense things that I do, you know, especially being from the Bronx, you know. Um, but I always know that connection is really the glue that ties us all together as human beings. So I might not know how to, you know, traverse the terrain. I did it in New Zealand and I wound up driving. Uh, they drive on the opposite side of the road. I didn't intend on driving when I was there, but I felt confident after a couple of days. Didn't know I actually drove cross country until <laughs> someone told me. Uh, but then when I did that, it was like, oh, wow, I can do that. You know, and so now when I go to a different country, I don't really put a lot of limits on my ability. I've gone kayaking. I don't know how to swim. I've hiked a volcano. I'm not really a hiker, but I did it. Um, yeah, zipline. I am afraid of heights. <laughs> um, you know, I did stand up paddle boarding. And like I said, deathly afraid of water. I love the water, but I also don't know how to swim. Uh, but I will give into that curiosity and it serves me well. After several years of traveling, I've also stretched in going to countries where English isn't widely spoken. So that's been a new challenge um, and something I've leaned into, leaning into the uncomfortable. How do I communicate with and connect with someone in a different country, respecting their land? How do I communicate to connect with them? How do I communicate my needs to them? You know, whether it be looking for something or just saying hello. So that's been something that I find um, most exciting about traversing, you know, this big old place we call planet Earth. Um, but everybody has an origin story. And so I just love, love learning. Mm. You said Two things, a couple, well, you said a lot, but there are some things that stuck out to me. And, you know, you said, it seems like you have overcome that feeling by trying new things that you're able to tell yourself, you know, I did it. I did it once. I can do it again. I've done this. Therefore, I can try other things. And you said, you know, the idea of giving into your curiosity and that has served you well. I think that's so cool because sometimes like we don't let our curiosity lead us. And sometimes we're really cursed about trying new things, going to places, but we either let fear, hesitation, or whatever it may be sort of stop us from trying new things. So I really think that that's really great that, you know, you've, you give into that and um, are able to sort of benefit from trying new things and gaining new experiences. Yeah, that's so cool. You've done a lot of traveling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess so. I've, I started thinking about it, I think, with my upcoming trip uh, next month. Those will be countries, I think, 13 and 14 in the past five okay. years. So okay. getting there. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So, 
you know, I mentioned before that you had a very specific niche and that you weren't just a traditional travel blogger, travel expert that offers us, you know, general tips for traveling, but you have this platform and podcast called Black Sit Global. So, you know, I know what it means, but I would like for you to just share with the listeners, you know, what what made you, what encouraged you to start this platform and why do you feel like this platform is so necessary, Blacksit Global? Yes. Yeah, so for me, it was going back to that that dark place where I was in 2020. And a friend of mine, it's really an interesting story. So rewind to 2020, no, 2013, 2014 in New Jersey, there was a statewide competition and I had a, an idea for a podcast. At that time, no one knew what podcasting was. It was not what it is today. And mm-hmm. it was to start a podcast um, for women entrepreneurs. And so I entered the contest. I placed. Uh, we went to the, um, you know, kind of finale. I met some wonderful, wonderful entrepreneurs. Uh, many, pretty much all of them, which we, we stay in touch to this day. So Uh, One of my friends who I think she ended up in second place and she won $10,000. I think it was $10,000, maybe five or $10,000. I might've gotten it wrong, but she had a candle company. So fast forward a couple of years later, she started a podcast, wonderful podcast. uh, If I can shout it out, (laughs) Sisters Connect podcast, Kimberly Sumter. And so in the podcast, yeah, Kim, Kim is wonderful. And it's so funny that when we were competing, like she had her candle company and I was like talking podcast. No one knew what it was. Fast forward a few years later, you know, she had a podcast. And so um, she in the pandemic, much like everyone, you know, was trying to pivot and started a course. And so she was asking me like, oh, you know, do you think you would want to do a podcast? I'm like, I don't really have anything I want to talk about. Like that ship sailed, you know? Um, And so I was like, I don't have anything to talk about. So like a night later, right, I went to bed and I woke up and that's when I was like, oh, I know what I want to talk about. I want to talk about black expats, (laughs) not meeting any black expats when I was traveling, except for one. I did meet one in Iceland. But other than that, and and she's never been on the show. And so I was just like, okay, you know what? I know I want to talk about this. And Blacksit, you know, came naturally because it is this Black exodus. Uh, Global was really Kim's edition. So kudos to her because I knew our original name was Blacksit US, Blacksit Us, like a play on words. But it felt like... I was being too myopic, too narrowly focused and squarely focused on the stories of Black Americans. I wanted to be able to talk to people who were in Canada or the Mm. UK or the continent, right? Like Mm -hmm. recognizing that as members of the African diaspora, our spores have been sprinkled all over this planet. So Mm -hmm. if your heart is calling, there isn't a place that you shouldn't inhabit. And so I wanted to kind of, you know, turn it on its head. And so for people who are thinking about moving abroad, maybe it was an idea like myself in the recesses recesses of your mind many, many moons ago, or you're, you know, realizing wherever it is that you're living doesn't really jibe with who you are as an individual for whatever reason. 
that's who is the person that I'm speaking to. And on the other side of that, when you think about expatriation, immigration, when you think about expats, Black people, people of color don't come up in a Google search, right? But we're there, we're traveling, we are, you know, on the gram showing what we're doing, we're, you know, doing all these wonderful things but our narrative isn't there. So I wanted to focus Blacks of Global, the podcast, squarely in the area of being able to highlight the voices and stories of these you know, remarkable individuals, regular people, right? Not celebrities with millions and millions of dollars, regular everyday people who made the decision, the conscious decision with intention to change where they live. And just bring those stories to life. Mm. What I find really timely, and I wonder if you also noticed this as well, is 2019 was dubbed the year of return. Yes. So a lot of, you know, Black Americans, I, I think I would even extend it. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure, but I would even say a lot of Black people and those of the African diaspora living in the West were going back to countries like, you know, Ghana was a predominant one. Nigeria, some even went to South Africa and people were just starting to explore different parts of the continent. So did that, did you think about that at all when you were sort of creating this platform? And was that part of what, you know, made you want to say, you know what, this is the right time to start this? Yeah, it wasn't, for me, it wasn't so much about the year of the return. I knew of it and I was debating whether or not I was going to make the return there. Um, at that time, and I opted not to, really for me, it was, you know, being able to kind of shed a light on, you know, like I said, the voices and stories. And for me, it was like, okay, I know I'm personally on this journey. And I was in different Facebook groups and different communities and seeing, and these were predominantly like white communities. And I was seeing a growing number of people who were disenchanted with where they lived, regardless. You know, I'd go in one group, it would be a bunch of Kiwis talking about how they want to leave New Zealand. I'd go into another group, it'd be a bunch of Americans talking about it or whatever. So I started to see that there was discontent, not just limited to, you know, North America, let's say. So that was like an insight, but it was difficult for me to find a community with people that looked like me. And so I'm a firm believer in building the thing that you want to see. And so mm-hmm. I guess it goes back to my digital marketing. I'm not traditional. I'm not the one who's doing, you know, reels. I don't post every day. I don't, there's a lot of things that I don't do in the space as compared to my peers who are more traditional influencers and they do a phenomenal job. And I'm always like showcasing, you know, their stuff on our feed. But I also know where my sweet spot is and also with my life, what works best for me and what I can be consistent with. And so for me, being able to show up, being able to help people, whether it's, you know, through the podcast or our other platforms, or I have a lot of offline conversations and coaching, I have no problem being accessible but I had to design it in a way that was consistent with my life. And Mm -hmm. the best part is, is that people 
understood and resonated with that without me having to really articulate it. Right. So I want this because I want this aspect to be really clear to the listeners. The purpose for your platform, Blacks a Global Brand and Community, because you built a really big community on Facebook, is essentially providing resources and I guess sort of being part of our journey if we choose that. You know what? I don't want to live in Canada anymore. Maybe I want to live in um, South Africa. You know, we've been seeing a lot of it. South Africa. I've been hearing that pockets of Europe are safe for Black folks. That was a little different for me, but I've been hearing that that's as well. So um, I'm interested to know what has that scouting been like for you? Because you are planning to leave the States to go you know, abroad. So if you don't mind sharing, you know, how your process has been going and if you've been scouting any countries, if you don't mind sharing, you can also tell us where you're intending on going. But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, the journey is not linear. <laughs> when I, Amen when I started this, it, you know, when you listen to earlier episodes of the podcast, I talk about New Zealand. It's my number one. It's always been on my heart since I was a little girl. But in 2020, reality set in and I realized that even though I had been from 2017 when I went the first time to 2020 when I started the podcast, I had been intentional, saving, you know, laser focused. 2020 happened and I'm a forward thinker. So for me, 2020 was the same as almost like 2023 in some ways where I was just like, oh, it's around the corner. You know, each year I had a milestone. And so when I got to 2020, I I realized that I was too young for a retirement visa, too old for a work visa. So I'm like kind of somewhere in the middle. And then obviously most of the world knows New Zealand has been, you know, kind of locked out everybody else at this point. Um, And then for my children, my, my daughter was able to share with me that it felt like that was too far, you know, when she embarks on her own uh, independence and journey as a young adult. So I said, okay, you know what? I'll look at different countries. And so I had, you know, kind of designed in my mind. And I think I did that at the end of season two and shared, you know, like what my big plan was. And when I listened to that recently, I was like, oh my gosh, it's changed so much since then. And partly because I have these uh, wonderful conversations with people. Uh, So I knew I was like, well, I have to look at new countries. I had a short list. Uh, So uh, Costa Rica was on the list. Portugal was on the list. And then third would be Italy. Because I knew that I wanted to be somewhere that wasn't too far. So I was trying to stick within, you know, six-ish hours back to North America. You know, So that pretty much cancels the entire African continent, South Asia, like yeah. <laughs> six hours is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I, I felt like I needed to be within six, no more than eight. Right. Cause I have my kids, I have my mom. So I kind of limited the universe and it wasn't forever. You know, the thing is, you know, college is four years. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, great. I did my scouting trip to Costa Rica in October of last year. It didn't go as planned. There was uh, there were a lot of challenges with being able to move around the country, which was uh, not going to be helpful for me. Infrastructure wise, it wasn't what I needed, especially as someone who 
is, you know, looking to be location independent and have a digital platform. I need certain baseline requirements that just weren't there. So that was a challenge. I also am going to be traveling with a pup, which was not in the plan. I got a pandemic pup like most people. (laughs) So that added another layer of complexity. And, you know, some of the dogs that they have there, they kind of roam free. I have a little bougie little dog. (laughs) There was that was not going to happen. So that meant, okay, now I have to look at my next country, which was Portugal. And I just completed my scouting trip in April, which was fabulous. You know, I found community. It had the infrastructure I needed um, from a technical perspective, uh, as well as just being able to find important things like black hair care products, black community, uh, uh, being able to move about transportation wise. I want a walkable city. So I had a list of things that I absolutely had to have from my destination of choice. And so it checked all the boxes. The added bonus of being in Europe was that, and especially Portugal more specific, is that it is so close to the continent. One of the realizations that came to me when I was in Costa Rica was while the country has a lot of natural beauty to offer, I realized like, okay, well, my kids are going to be in school. I'm going to be in the, with the dog. What, what, what am I going to do to occupy my time? Because I like going to the beach. I love museums. I love, you know, just wandering and things like that. And so I was looking for the things that I knew when I travel that I tend to gravitate to that mm. it wasn't as easy to get to in Costa Rica, which was one of the reasons why I crossed it off the list. But in Portugal, those things are widely available and very affordable compared to my lifestyle in New Jersey. So that's why I said, well, you know what? If I look at Portugal, I can get to the continent pretty easy, definitely less expensive than coming from New Jersey. I can also go to different countries within Europe because I'm still, I feel like in the beginning of my my travel pursuits, There's a lot of countries that I want to see that's more accessible and again, reasonable and affordable. So I feel like for the next, you know, at least five years, I can see myself being there. So Portugal, so black woman to black woman, like, are we out there in numbers? Oh, yes, (laughs) we are in numbers. Uh, One of the things that also was surprising to me, and and I'm torn between Lisbon and Nazare in terms of where I want to plant myself the first year or so. I was surprised. I come from New York City. I grew up in the Bronx. I kind of discounted. I was like, okay, I'm going to base myself the first week in Lisbon. But I knew I wanted to go to different parts of Portugal. And I did. I went to Cascais, Sintra, went to Nazaré, as I mentioned, Valem, Porto. I went around (laughs) before and I kept landing back and missing Lisbon. And what struck me was We had so much to offer. You know, there were so many, you know, 
the the downside of it is, you know, I mean, history is history, right? Portugal started the transatlantic slave trade. So there are many people of African descent that are in Portugal, former uh, Portuguese colonies. And so you have, um, you know, a good number of representation from African nations. Then you have African-Americans, you have, you know, people that are from Brazil, again, Portuguese colonies that are represented there. And as such, that's why you have um, all of these black, the availability of black hair care products, which was really important to me. Um, and then the history, you know, I did the African Lisbon tour, which I highly recommend to anyone who's visiting Portugal, regardless of your ancestry, to really understand you know, what was the journey like for people of African descent in Portugal? What was the treatment? How were, you know, the religious, um, you know, organizations? And, you know, there were many in just that influence, that layer that isn't as overt as it should be mm-hmm. or as widely told as it should be. Uh, so I love going beneath the surface. The other thing that really struck me there was the amount of black owned businesses that were there and they weren't just patronized by black people. They were, you go into a black owned business and there were people of all different ethnic backgrounds there. And so, and, and the, you know, the shop owners weren't on the, you know, older side of the spectrum. It was just a great representation, you know, all the way, you know, young, all the way to older. And it was just beautiful to see that come together, you know, that ability to lean on each other, to be in fellowship with one another and to see each other. So that's really what lit me up. And that's where I feel like, you know what, this, this feels right. Hmm. Okay. Good to know. I've heard really good things about Portugal and, you know, like you mentioned the history and a transatlantic slave. Um, slave trade, sorry. I found it, I I was sort of conflicted. I was like, okay, is it, is it not? But I've heard so many good things. I've heard from the weather to the people, to the culture. And my friend and I were actually supposed to go to a festival, an Afro-Caribbean festival there this summer, and that didn't pan out. But I will definitely be adding Portugal to my list. Yes, yes. (laughs) It's, It's a lot to offer. And, you know, there's no utopia anywhere with any land. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I know sometimes people want to find that perfect destination. Uh, You know, there's wonderful things about, you know, Portugal. There's also things that are not so great. There's wonderful things about the United States. There's things that are not so great. So for for Mm -hmm. everyone that's going to look different, what your, you know, must haves and everything else. But, you know, if you go there with realistic expectations and you lean into, again, the uncomfortable, right? Um, when you're in Lisbon, you can still speak English. It's widely spoken. It's a cosmopolitan type of city. When you go a little further out, not so much. <laughs> and right. so I'm learning uh, Portuguese. I'm learning U- European Portuguese in preparation for my move. Because again, great, I can speak English. But in order for me to connect with locals, for me to have that full and rich experience that Mm -hmm. I'm hungry for and that allows me to connect with other people, it's 
incumbent upon me as now a a guest in this country to extend myself in that regard, to get past the level of discomfort. I put a lot of hours every day practicing, but I know that the payoff is much greater. Right. Okay. So um, I'm interested to know, you do a lot of this solo, I assume, right? A lot of traveling is by yourself and your puppy you mentioned. So how do you build community when you're there? Because I remember seeing your story and you had actually met up with a lot of Black individuals in Portugal when you were doing your scouting trip. Um, so I'm just interested, you know, I, I've, of course, that will definitely be part of something such as Black Blacks at Global. But how do you actually sort of build community in a foreign country, uh, in a country that's foreign to you? That's a great question. When I started my journey, especially being you know, I am an introvert. I tend to do a lot of things uh, by myself with myself. Community wasn't as important to me. It was more about, you know, me getting this experience. I choose experience over material possessions. As I started to stretch myself, like I said, in 2019, when I went on the group trip, I didn't know anybody on the trip. I met some wonderful people. And that's when I was like, wait a second, you know what? It felt good to be in Iceland with, you know, a bunch of Black people. It felt great being in Greece with a bunch of Black people. And so I started to feel like, okay, community is important. And then as I start to, you know, narrow down, um, you know, my list, that's what was calling on my heart. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful communities exist and you can find them on Facebook. And so I was able to connect with Black in Portugal and they put on monthly events and they do such a great job to bring and invite people in, whether you're traveling through, you're passing through Portugal or, you know, you plan to stay or you're doing a scouting trip or you're there. They have so much and they do such a great job. And all of the members are at less than two years in the country. And so for them to like, you know, make it there, put their mark, really extend themselves, making connections with different shop owners and really be embraced by the larger community, I think is impressive. And so that's why for me, it's been really important. And then as I get ready to go on my upcoming trip to Bali, and I will spend about 23 hours on the ground in Singapore, you know, I ha- now have this, you know, global community. I can reach out and I do. I reach out to some of my old guests. Hey, I'm passing through. Let's meet up for coffee. Um, or for example, in this Bali trip, I'll get the opportunity to meet with two of my former guests on the podcast. And so being able to meet them allows me to be able to tap into their community and learn other, you know, from other people what their experiences are. So I think, you know, for all of us, when you're looking at another country, another destination, community is where you find it or build it. And so you can reach out to different people, ask questions, be a curious learner, find the answer, definitely do some of your own legwork. You know, don't lean on the community for like things that, you know, the Oracle Google can easily answer for you. But when you need that deeper layer of insight after you've done, you know, some of your due diligence, definitely, you know, hey, I'm passing through here. Somebody going to be there or hey, this is what I've read. You know, can someone speak to that? 
the the community wants to give back. And that's what I think is so incredibly fascinating for me. And as I mentioned, I was in other communities that weren't for people of color or black people more specifically. And I didn't see that extension there, at least the way it shows up for us in our communities. And so when you go to a different land, if you've already done that legwork and you know that one or two or three or whomever, how many people that you know, that makes that transition that much easier. That gives Mm -hmm. you a softer landing. And that will help you when the not so great days come and they will, right? The patina will wear off. The newness will wear off. And so on those days where, you know, you're faced with bureaucracy, a line when you're trying to get money out of the bank and you're like, wait a minute, in my country, it wasn't like this. You know, those things will naturally happen because you're in a foreign land. But those days and those challenges will either happen, they may happen less frequent, or they won't be as much of a burden when someone says, oh, I've been through that. This is what you do instead. Mm. Or, hey, thanks for letting me know. I'll pass it along to so-and-so. That allows you to feel that connection. And that is what is going to sustain you. And being clear on your why is going to sustain you along the journey. It's so important that you said that. I was literally just thinking about that, too. And I feel like we may need a part two of this conversation because there's so much that's coming to my mind as we talk. But I I often wonder, you know, we're seeing an increase, like you said, in, in Black people going back, whether we're visiting more often, we're um, living, a lot of Black Americans are starting to buy homes and property and land in Ghana, Nigeria, South Africa, uh, East Africa, Kenya, like We're starting to see that. And I wonder, you know, there is a mind shift, a mindset shift that sort of has to happen for you to be able to live in a place like Nigeria. Like I'm Nigerian and I can tell you that, listen, you think L.A. traffic is bad. Traffic in places like Lagos are going to hit you hard. Like, (laughs) let's just say, you know, so I remember even during the year of return, I remember a lot of locals tweeting and saying things like, you know, you guys think that traffic over there is bad, you know. Just pack your patience over here because we don't have the large infrastructure that a lot of American cities have as of yet, right? Yes. So, you know, I often just wonder, like, you know, we talk about going back, but are we ready? Are we shifting our minds? Are we more patient? Because we live in a society that's very go, go, go. I want it now. But when I go back home, like when I'm in Nigeria, things are so slowed down. Like there's nothing, there's no such thing as being late. (laughs) We'll be late and still eating breakfast before we leave the house. Like, over here, I'm eating a burger, I'm running, I'm catching the train, I'm typing, I'm... Oh, so, you know, like, I just, I often wonder, I'm sure you're having these conversations with your community, but it's just something that I wonder, you know, if we're ready to, and if, if we're aware and if we're ready to make that, like, mindset shift and, and habit shift, you know? Yeah, awareness, you touched on something that is so important because mindset, awareness, self-awareness and intention is so critical to this journey, particularly if you're going to, you know, places that are, you know, outside of like, you know, the Western hustle culture. I think for many Black people, especially those that are in, you know, some of the, well, I think across the board, I don't like to make too many generalizations, but especially, you know, you're seeing like the brain drain from corporate America, for example, 
You see it in people who were deemed essential workers during the pandemic, who were, you know, frontline, whether they were, you know, working, you know, for mass transit or if they're working in a hospital or a teacher. And so this continual, you know, hamster wheel, never ending hamster wheel. And what the pandemic did was it gave a full stop, a global full stop for the first time for people to see, hey, why am I working two jobs and I can barely make ends meet? Or why am I bringing home all of this money and I have a house full of things that this is the first time I'm actually even able to look at it or use it? Or I'm spending, I buy all these things and I spend my time outside the house, two hours commuting each way. So it gave people time to think. And then I think with Blacksa Global and other platforms, it's like giving you not only the time and the space to think, but it's also, you know, a window or a mirror to see how other people, uh, their countries responded or a, a place that they moved to. And so it's just like, hey, wait a minute, you know, in the United States, if I wanted to start this business, right? Yes, there's infrastructure and things like that, but there's also expense. And so for us, it's so saturated. And for Black people, I mean, we are one of the largest demographics in terms of entrepreneurship, but we don't, we aren't able to really capitalize on the fruits of our labor, primarily because of, you know, these other systemic issues at bay. And so, as I mentioned right. in Portugal, for example, I saw a lot of black owned businesses. But when you think about the retail space that they occupy, and it might be 500, 1,000 euro a month rent, that same space in the US, for example, might be 5,000 a month, triple net. And it makes it where the person is either always running at a deficit or just breaking even and getting by mm. and doing the same amount of work yeah. or not having access to capital. And so what I think is a unique time in for Black people, regardless of where you're living, is to be able to kind of see, hey, this dream of ownership owning a home, maybe I can mm. own a home in the continent, but also that intentionality, like, okay, am I bringing these resources to the continent? What am I also giving, right? Exactly. It's not about me getting affordability. It's also me being conscious of, am I now, when I decide maybe I want to build a home, am I looking at finding a black architect? Am I being intentional about my money and how I'm spending it? Am I challenging my beliefs? Am I now, because I've been, let's assume this is a, a person from the United States, right? You've spent most of your life, if not all of your life, being influenced by capitalism, being influenced by the dominant society. Mm -hmm. Am I now conveying these capitalistic colonizing ways onto people that look like me. Right. right. Mm -hmm. And so not everyone should make the journey because if you don't have the right mindset and you're thinking, Oh, 
they're so behind. Oh, those Africans, you know, and you're automatically creating the same environment with which you said you wanted to flee. You don't need to be there, right? You You need to check yourself. What is your intention? Mm -hmm. What are the things that you have to do to decolonize your mind? And that is not something like, oh, I read a book and I sit down and I spend the day and oh, my mind's decolonized. You're going to be confronted with different things. Different things are going to trigger you. And you're going to have to see and sit in that space and think about it. Where does this belief come from? For many of us, I remember growing up in the city and every time the TV would come on and they would show Africa, they would show kids with bloated bellies and flies and things like that. Those images, you know, media has a very profound impact and it shapes your belief. So again, being able to say, well, where did this belief come from? Where, you know, how can I show up differently? How can I avail myself to learn? What do I need to learn? Yeah. And be in that space so that you can go over wherever you want to go with intention. How do I want to build up my people? Mm. Those are the people that I think do well and thrive. But if you are solely and squarely focused on what you can get out of it, oh yeah, I can save this many thousands of dollars or hundred dollars a month. And it's just about you, 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 you need to stay where you're at or find another country or make, create your own, <laughs> get some land <laughs> and, and have a, a party by yourself because mm. it, it's just not, that's not how you build community. That's not how you connect with people. You're just perpetuating the same negative beliefs that have messed up a good bit of the world. Exactly. Well, come on and just preach. Come (laughs) on and preach for us. I said, oh, amen. (laughs) (laughs) No, all, all of what you said, you know, I've had conversations with friends about this. I've echoed exactly what you said in conversations with people, Um, you know, as an African Canadian. It's it's my fear for Africa as it gets a lot more attention now um, in a different light than it has before as people now want to invest. And but I'm just not gatekeeping now. I'm not saying I'm gatekeeping. Y'all can come. But it's just, you know, <laughs> I want my continent to do well on its own. I don't, you know, so I definitely, definitely feel all of what you said. Um, Yeah. And, you know, I also want to say, too, I think there's some there's nothing that's wrong with I know you talked about gatekeeping. But one of the things that, you know, I'm most, you know, every time I go to a different country, I like to learn at least a little something, something. Um, but I think, you know, some countries, you know, they do a really good job of focusing on, hey, we want to build up our community. We want to focus on opportunities for our community. And then they provide like limited community, you know, limited opportunities for foreigners, or they have to pass like a means test or some other, you know, system or scheme in order to gain entry. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. While I would, you know, like to have less barriers to entry, the reality of it is, is that if you say, hey, you know, if you're you're a foreigner here, you can't own this much land or, you know, there's some rules around it, that helps, you know, people, countries focus on their citizenry. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, if every country is just like flooded by expatriates, yes, you know, immigrants, yes, it adds to the fabric of the, of, you know, the collective, 
But at the same time, it can't come with the highest consequence being to the detriment of its citizens and natives. So I I hear what you're saying and, and wanting to walk that fine line, but I also think that we have to start to challenge and also say, hey, you know, let's preserve this because we see in the continent of Africa, there's money that's coming in from different countries like uh, China, for example. Mm-hmm. And so it's I not want to say it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So that I think that if we are able to start to have this dialogue and open the door, especially as, you know, some of these nations are extending, you know, citizenship to, you know, uh, mm. our sisters and brothers that have been separated because of the transatlantic slave trade and as descendants. I think there's an opportunity to have that conversation and say why it's so vitally important to make sure that we shore up, you know, our four walls before mm. we start to open it up to to other people. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Whew, okay, I'm going to shift gears a little bit in this conversation okay. because all of this is so great, but Krishan, we can't do any of this without without money. And a lot of us are working. We got nine to fives. We're trying to build businesses. We're trying to side hustle. You know, we still exist in this society while we're trying to get to the, you know, not necessarily ideal land, but our own version of a promised land. Yes. So how have you been able to do this and how can people sort of scout or travel, maybe not necessarily move abroad, but even, you know, take frequent trips? How can we do this while still working a nine to five? Are we working up vacation time? Are we working remotely? (laughs) Yes. I mean, you know, I think it's all of the above. I think it's working remotely, which is now like when you go on LinkedIn, for example, there's no shortage of remote jobs, hybrid, what, what have you. I think, you know, because of the pandemic, that was one of the benefits is that, you know, the shift to remote work was thrust upon everyone for the most part, right? So companies had to mobilize their workforce, you know, put different technologies, figure out how to get it done. At the same time, on the flip side, again, people that were on that hamster wheel that got off, you know, long enough to say, hey, you know what? I could do this from home. I like it here. or I only want to go in, you know, two days a week because, you know, that two hour commute each way is keeping me from things that I enjoy, family, whatever the case may be. I think that is where, you know, we had heard things like about the great resignation, right? And things, you know, things of that nature. So I think this is a very unique time. I don't think we can go back to the way it was. People, we've come too far and we've been in it too long. Had the pandemic come to some resolution within the first like three to six months? Sure. Now we're two and a half years in. Look, nobody's going back (laughs) to status quo. So when you think about money, you know, one of the things that people are doing is, I mean, I've been hearing all kinds of things. People are taking advantage of the fact that they are working from home and they're saying, hey, you know what? I can work remote and keep, you know, U.S. East Coast hours and live in Europe. And I can do my side hustle during the day or, you know, off hours. They're creating digital products or they're taking a sabbatical. And some companies offer a paid sabbatical. Um, Some people are doing two full-time jobs, two full-time remote jobs or contracting. There's so many ways that you can configure it. Um, For me, I'm a single parent. And so 
I had to be cognizant about like, okay, what is it that, you know, how am I spending my money? How am I investing my money? And thinking about, okay, how much can I put away each month for this longer goal, this bigger goal, which at that time was many years out. And so mm-hmm. it was able, I was able to kind of think about, okay, let me just put away and then start to, you know, do it little by little. And as I get closer and as I've gotten closer, sharpen and refine the plan with different data sets, having conversations with, you know, guests on my show or doing my own research, especially during the scouting trip and being able to see, okay, if I'm getting a place that's say $700 a month, what, how much space is that? You know, because they're in meters and we're in square feet. And so, you know, just that's, being able to true. contextualize things is really important. But, you know, the income is going to be critical, particularly if you are listening to this in real time, because many nations are confronted with high rates of inflation, largely due to the conflict and aggression between uh, Russia and Ukraine. It's having a ripple effect. And also compounded with the pandemic and the global supply chain disruptions. So we're seeing a lot of that and we're feeling it. And so, you know, you might have to rethink, you know, how much are you putting away? How much you're investing? Or you might have to adjust your timeline slightly based on these different factors. But the reality Mm -hmm. of it is, is that from an economic perspective, some of these things are cyclical. And then there are certain things that are out of your control. But if you are planning thoughtfully and intentionally about what it is that you want to accomplish, it makes it easier. If you feel like, hey, I want to stand up this side hustle while I have a nine to five. I don't need the income today. I'll need it when I move, say, two years, three years, five years, whatever that timeline is. It takes a lot less pressure off of Mm -hmm. you when you're testing and learning because there's not much at risk in terms of failure. This way, it allows you to refine and perfect and do everything so that by the time you get to your destination or your goal or what have you, you've kind of created a well-loyal machine. And again, you've done it with um, not as much negative consequences. So that's what I would suggest. Right. Okay. I like that. Definitely practicing and then getting it to sort of not perfection, but you've sort of created a system and a pattern for yourself so that things get easier as you make your move abroad or as you take your, you know, temporary trips. I like the idea of a sabbatical is something that I've thought about too. And you're right. Some companies do pay for that. And I think a lot of people don't know that they're actually paid for. Um, They're sort of like, you know, paid longer vacation periods, if you will. And some people take them to either study, to switch careers, to just think about life. And you can just take this as a period for yourself. So I think, you know, that's something that people can definitely do. Um, So I want to sort of end off this portion of our conversation by just asking you, you know, any other general tips that you have for us travelers? You know, we're navigating this pandemic. The world has decided that COVID or no COVID, we must move forward. So we're trying our best. And um. You know, we're able to move around more often now. So what are some general tips that you have for us um, that are wanting to travel more this year? Oh, big number one, number one, have travel. 
health insurance, (laughs) not just travel insurance, travel health insurance, because we are still living in a global pandemic. And while numbers have adjusted and things like that, you never know when the next variant or anything else could happen. You never know if something bigger happens. And, you know, we saw for the first time in our existence, nations closing down their borders, right? So you just don't want to get caught out there. And so you want to make sure you have travel health insurance. As we can see as travelers, you know, in the U.S., for example, they just said you no longer have to test to come back into the United States. You see countries opening up. Sometimes they open, they close, they delay their opening. So it's still very fluid. But if you have insurance, you're going to have protection regardless of what happens, right? So I would say that's first and foremost. When you're looking at countries to travel to, you know, have some common sense about it. You know, think about, you know, in terms of your safety, where are you keeping things? When I was in Greece, for example, I didn't realize that they have, you know, especially in in, in the Athens area, pickpocketers, right? So you want to make sure that you're keeping your possessions close to you. You're not traveling with your important documents. You might need to leave them in the safe. For me, as a solo traveler, traveler and as a female, I tend not to go out at night um, by myself. Now, if I'm with a group traveling, that's different, but I tend not to go out even in the safest of, safest of nations by myself um, because, again, when you're out at night, limited eyesight. And so you're just, especially mm-hmm. if you're not in a place that's familiar, so you have two strikes against you. So you just want right. to be thinking through, okay, if I am out at night, you know, how am I going to make it from point A to point B safely? You know, who do I check in with? Um, Making sure that for those of you that might be listening that are in the United States, there are ways you can register with the State Department when you're making your travels. I'm sure that there's a similar system in different countries like Canada, where you can, you know, report like, hey, I'm traveling to this, look at a travel advisory if there are any warnings um, impacting areas that you're traveling to. Um, And then also I would say do some research about the customs and practices of the lands that you're visiting or maybe passing through. So for example, when I was in the United uh, Arab Emirates, I made it a point to wear and cover my tattoos. You know, I didn't have like sleeveless garb on. Um, I'm a Westerner and I was told like, it's not as big a deal because they know I'm not a foreign, they know I'm a foreigner, but at the same time, you want to be respectful of the land that you're in. Mm -hmm. And so I would say that when you're going to another land, think about honoring the land, right? Again, it goes back to being a guest. When you go into someone's home, you don't go and jump on their bed and put your dirty feet on their bed or furniture, right? You have respect for the environment that you're in and travel is no different. It actually comes with a higher level of responsibility for you as you're traveling. Okay. Thank you so much for sharing those. I will, um, you know, make, summarize them, make a little succinct post for the listeners and for our community on Instagram because I really love those. And I am sort of booking some trips for this year. So I'll definitely be, uh, be utilizing that, especially the travel advisory. Any country, I put that in there and see what the Canadian government has to say about it and make sure I'm set and all good to go. So thank you for sharing those. 
So, you know, um, we're finishing that portion of our conversation, but we are not done. This is the Boaduano podcast. So, you know, we love to end off our conversation here with a lighter segment uh, where we get to know a little bit more about our guests, a little bit more about their fun side. And so I'm going to ask you, you know, just four fun questions and without thinking too hard, just give me the first answer that comes to mind. So <laughs> the first question, what is your, fa- your favorite beverage that you're enjoying right now? And this can be alcoholic or non-alcoholic. So what uh, are you currently enjoying? Water. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, fair. Without it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Fair. A lot of us should be drinking a lot more water. Um, what is your favorite genre of music, Krishan? Oh, 80s all the way. All the mm. way. 80s music. <laughs> 80s R&B, 80s rock. Like, what are we? It just 80s. It, 80s it was all around. It's not okay. country. But yeah, yeah, for you. <laughs> like, it's not country. But if it's in the 80s, it almost doesn't matter what genre. I'm okay. There. Okay. Um, if you had to choose between press and pause rewind or fast forward button on your life at this current time which one would you want to hit are we pausing are we rewinding or are we fast forwarding Mm. rewind yeah Hmm. to what particular portion of your life are we rewinding to i would say my early my early 20s okay yeah as i'm in this period of reflection and, mm-hmm. you know, you know yourself more and you have more life experiences. You know, I, I try to live my life with no regrets. But if I could tell my younger self different things, I think that things would be a little different. Makes sense. I hear that. Um, and the final one, name one thing that is yet to be crossed off your bucket list. I feel like this is a good one for a traveler. Ooh. Uh... Wow. Ooh. One that's come on my radar as of late, uh, Mm -hmm. because I do have a bigger goal of hitting all the continents. And so Antarctica is like, I didn't think that that was one I didn't think I'd get to. But I was like, right. "Hmm." Why not? (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) Okay. And that will get crossed off. Yes. (laughs) For sure. Well, those are all the questions I have for you. Thank you so much for, you know, sharing about your platform, your story, giving us some tips. This has been so great. Before I let you go, just go ahead and share with the listeners, you know, your socials and how people can connect with you. Yes. So everyone can find Blacksit Global at blacksitglobal.com. We are at Blacksit Global on the socials. And you can listen to the podcast on our platforms. And yeah, that's pretty much it. That's where you can all find right. us. You can find our community, Black's a Global Passport. Join in, get support, get what you need so that you can get to the promised land. Amen. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on this episode again, Krishana. I really appreciate you. Right.
right, so that concludes our final episode before we take a little mid-season break and come back in September. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Krishan. I definitely took away some travel tips that I'm going to be implementing because we got a little girls trip planned for this year. Um, so I hope you all took a few things away. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I definitely have added some new countries to my travel list after this conversation. So keep the conversation going on our socials at BWDIK podcast. As always, make sure that you are subscribed with notifications turned on on your favorite streaming platform. You know, y'all go out there, enjoy your summer, be safe, stay hydrated when you're outside. And I will see you all in the fall. Bye for now. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.